Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining me. Today, we speak to Adrian Cropley, who's the Chief Executive Officer of Cropley Communication, and certainly one of Australia's most experienced communicators, be it internal or external communication, and has certainly made a name for himself in the business over the last 30 years. He started in telecommunications in the 2000s, and he's worked with Ericsson Australia, Ernst & Young, and certainly built a big reputation inside the global community of the International Association of Business Communicators. He established Cropley Communication in 2004, and he now has associates all around the world in Canada, India, Malaysia, New Zealand, South Africa, the United Kingdom, and the United States of America. In Australia, some of his more notable clients, the National Australia Bank, the Australian and New Zealand Bank, the ANZ, BUPA, Australian Post, and the Australian Tax Office. Internationally, Adrian has worked with a number of the Fortune 500 companies, assisting them in HR, crisis management, change management, strategic strategic communication, and training. And he joins me on the line. Adrian Cropley, thanks very much for joining me on GovComs. It's great to be here, and thank you very much for having me on your program today. So, Adrian, whereabouts do you sort of locate the function of communication at the moment as we're sort of coming towards the end of 2018? Is it becoming more relevant in big organisations, or is it becoming less relevant? Uh David, without a doubt, it's becoming more relevant and and a valued-driven function within organisations. And what I what I mean by that is that I I think as we move into this next next wave of uh, uh, of our uh, I guess our our history uh, in the making, uh, we really need to to see that communications is sitting very clearly as the chief, you know. Uh, communications officers sitting at the the C-suite and the structure being amazingly relevant when it covers all areas, particularly, you know, around brand and reputation and, uh, you know, content uh, within organizations, change has come into into the fore and is being aligned much stronger in communication. And of course, there's there's the new areas. I mean, the digital world is evolving uh, even more rapidly now with the advent of things like AI and so on. So I think there's a whole more value-driven proposition for uh, for communications function within organisations. So what's your advice to communicators and to perhaps senior communicators to have those conversations and to move uh, the communication function away from that traditional sort of delivery role of, you know, make me one of those, get me some of those, book those adverts, get me on the, the um, you know, whatever show you might like to get on, to becoming that more valued central strategic partner? David, I, th- I think the conversations are the first things that need to change and, and, and you've hit the nail on the head. You know, it's when it's the order taker, 
uh, for the organization where, uh, you know, the the customers internally turn around or the executive turns around and says, yes, I need this and a couple of those and can you do a press release while you're at it? Um, we, we've we got to stop being uh, as much compliant in the orders and a little bit more assertive in what we do in organizations. So my advice to communication professionals is, is really look at your own internal brand and it's right down to what we call ourselves and you know you you've said it and we all say it is that is that word communicators and and literally everyone is a communicator uh one of the things that we've certainly been pushing through the the center for strategic communication excellence which is a part of Cropley, is is really we've got to term ourselves as communication professionals uh, and i know in iebc of a number of years ago we really looked at, at things like certification so getting uh, communication professionals to talk about themselves in different terms, to deliver in the organization the the advice rather than the uh, the tactics, um, giving organizations even that uh, uh, that advice on ethics of communication, particularly as we move into into that new world. so i I think, for communication professionals, it's really about how do you build your own personal brand and the brand of the team that delivers within the organization. How important is that notion of certification around the profession of, of communication? I think it's extremely important now. The um, What we've learned over years, and I know uh, it was just six years ago that uh, I was looking at this whole issue around moving IABC from its accreditation process, which was the ABC, to certification. And the, the major difference there was it was ongoing training and development. It wasn't about getting a certification and, and that's it for life. It was about getting a certification and then continuing in your uh, training and development to maintain. So it, it aligned itself much more around the models of things like the CPA or, or MA or, or even project management disciplines where, you know, it, it's about gaining that that qualification or that certification and then continuing on your educational journey. And just the value of having that certification actually builds your own, again, reputation within the organization. And I think if organizations start making a, a call to say, well, look, I wouldn't hire somebody that's just good with numbers if they haven't got the qualification. So why should I hire somebody that's just good with words um, if they don't have a qualification of being a communication professional? And how detailed do you believe those certifications need to be and how hard to attain well, I'm not sure the – I think there's a, a certain amount of learning that, that has to happen. Um, it was interesting. We we, uh, we had big discussions around how hard it, it needed to be to attain, and I, I have to say we uh, uh, we had some uh, interesting data of the, the past in terms of how many people had passed their um, uh, accredited business communicator and failed before they actually actually got it, and – you know, when we kind of dug down, it was it was more we were really getting people to jump jump through hoops in a very short time in short answer questions and 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 their strategic approach, and that's good in one way. But what we we said is, if we make the bar too high to attain, um, then you know we won't have people with that that qualification, and we won't get that commitment to ongoing development. So I think the bar has to be um, a, achievable but with a stretch, 
But the main thing here is getting people to actually continue to develop. So I think the bar in terms of continuing continuing your uh, CPD or credit points uh, against training programs and so on is absolutely critical more than it is the, the attaining of. So I think it just gets everybody on a standard and then keeps that standard uh, moving as as time goes on. Hmm. So it's it's interesting. You've, you've in a couple of your answers made some quite astute observations. And perhaps if I could get your opinion on, you you make the point that everyone is a communicator, which is very true. You also make the point that communication, particularly at a senior level, needs to evolve, needs to change, and needs to take on a different role. It needs to become you know that advisor, and also perhaps to uh, not just in, in the professional sense and strategic sense, but as you say, going to the to the ethics and values of, of an organisation. Putting those two things together, do you see that there are going to be changes in the types of people who serve in senior communications roles? Is, is it such an evolving world that we're going to start to see different people emerge to take the leadership and, and to really define what this future is going to look like? That's a... It's a really excellent question, David, um, and and I'm glad you phrased that because I think there is, and and what I would suggest is we we will see an emergence of people that has a little bit more of the or even a lot more of the business acumen, um, certainly working at the senior roles within organisations, um, more so than the 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 skill. Acumen. But I do think what we will will see is that because the communication profession has become so wide these days, and you you certainly would have seen it through through uh, through government and and certainly the people that have interacted with with the content group, that you get um, you get this great spread of people with specific skills in say change communication and digital and and so on. And you need all of that. But those people that are working in the head of organizations in that management role and advisory role um, would do need to have that business acumen, understand the language of the C-suite, be able to to push back and, and you know get, do get strong uh, and defiant sometimes. I, I often got accused of being very uh, strong-willed when I sat in executive meetings and they weren't expecting it from the comms person. They were supposed to be the warm and fuzzy. But occasionally you just kind of stand your ground and go, you know, when you take that action, it is actually it is giving the wrong message to the market and you will absolutely erode your trust and credibility out there. And being able to say that quite strongly, but at the same time have input to things like the budget, the finances, uh, uh, what markets we want to actually explore as a business, uh, what we should and shouldn't be doing. And so unless we can have those conversations and get credibility in those other uh, other folks' mind on the C-suite, then you know we we still we still only end up being that guest to the the mm. table and can only give input on one topic. So I think that's that's where we'll see that business skills growing. And in terms of then the teams that serve this say this new new style of communications leader, what sort of capability do you start to need to then have um, to start to execute these new responsibilities? 
So I, I, I think the, uh, uh, the whole team in general need to have a, a lot more in the consulting skills um, and really understand how to take proper briefs, how to uh, uh, listen to what the customer is, is saying that they, they want and actually kind of dig down to what it is that they need um, to, to be able to be implemented within their, their, their organization. So that those consulting skills, coaching skills, I think are those those skills that will be developed uh, and, and are essential for all team members. And then, and then it's the specialist skills because we can't expect everybody to be everything in this profession of ours. But I think there's a, a suite of skills that I think are absolutely essential, um, you know, and, and, and that being those, those uh, coaching skills in particular uh, I think is something that will grow over. We need to grow over time. Mm. So just uh, drill down a little bit more, in that area for me, if you would, by, by coaching skills, what do you mean and, and what specifically do you think people need to be coached in? So I, I, I think because we, we live in a world where, where everybody is communicating, it's, it's not about the communications function doing it for people. So I think there's a, a really big role for the people with the communication skills to be able to coach, say, Managers, for instance, I'll use a specific example. So it's it's about coaching the manager on how to effectively communicate with their team, how to effectively communicate with their customers, um, and and even down to you know how to how to structure um, communications that go out. Because as we as this world evolves communication function can't do all communication for everyone. It really is about disseminating that. So those skills around coaching is obviously that that active listening, being able to teach people skills. So when we look at the, the coaching spectrum, we look at that that end of the coaching spectrum, which is really about uh, teaching and and uh, and tutoring and mentoring people to be better communication professionals. Hmm. Okay, just moving on to another topic that I'm interested in, given your um, high degree of um, knowledge and expertise, it's to this issue of crisis communication and how you manage issues in the you know, 24 hour, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week news cycle, but also the probably more hysterical news cycle in the search for clicks and the search for um, attention and the battle for attention as people sort of amp everything up. Everything's a disaster. Everything's a crisis. Everything's going to be the end of the world. But then everything seems to pass reasonably quickly onto the next, um, you know, next yes. latest disaster of whatever it may or may not be. What's, it, what's your views on how people should manage this, this evolving and changing, rapidly evolving, changing world, but, you know, increasingly, you know, contentious world? Look, I, I, I think it's a really, really tough one, David, because we've, we've broken all rules in the, last, in the last few years. And it's not that this, this sort of stuff didn't happen before. It's just that we now have platforms that has, has amplified the types of behavior. And I'll call, it, I'll call it a behavior because if we looked at it back down to, to human nature, there's, there's consequence and reward. And unfortunately, doing bad stuff out there is, is an instant reward when it comes to being popular and getting the amount of clicks. And, um, 
uh, and so on. So it's it's you know there's there's lots of of energy behind doing it, um, and there's you know there's the the citizen that uh, the general citizen that wants to get uh, you know cute cats on the internet and all of those types of things that they uh, they they can do it, and nobody quite knows what will be the next popular thing of the day. But you're quite right in terms of that it turns turns over really quite quickly. So I, I think, and, and this is my view, this is this is not backed up by any 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 research or, or deep understanding. But my view is what we have to get is is uh, a breakthrough with authenticity over the long term. Um, there was, uh, you know, when you you think about <laughs> think about the 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 noise that is created in communication that is against the populist culture um, and, uh, you know, getting the, the likes and people being driven by that, I think people will eventually look for stability in communication. We know that trust and stuff has been eroded by mainstream media, but we, we started this year in the Edelman Trust Barometer seeing a kickback in that one that maybe it is starting to reestablish. There's a long way to go um, because of how mainstream media is 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 driven. But I think what will happen over the the long term is people will gravitate back to having a little bit more uh, connection and certainty. And I'm not sure if I'm articulating that right, but it's it's really around, uh, can I trust the message? Can I trust the the deliverer over the long term uh, when it comes to to communication? Uh, but it is certainly, I would say, a very complex world right now. And uh, I don't know about you, David, but I have been shocked a number of times in the last few years around what people have have believed or or taken to. Um, I'm sure, you know, four years ago, we would not have thought there was going to be a presidency run through Twitter. No, no, indeed, nor nor um, I, I think that the one that caught my eye some years ago was the. Um, the watermelon exploding with an elastic band, I think, oh, you yes. know, that, that was viewed <laughs> some, you know, huge amount of times. And you just think, okay, righto, fair enough, if that's if that's what it is. But I, I, I think you go to a point that is obviously something that we are often saying to people is that in trying to you know, jump around and, and find the next greatest thing. You know, the next greatest thing may not last for long. So trying to find your, you know, your rhythm, just like a test bowler. In, I use the analogy of a test bowler in cricket where, you know, you want to find a line and a length where you can turn up regularly to get someone's attention, get the batsman's attention and trying to, you know, try, you know be useful, be consistent, be relevant, understand your audience and just, you know, just keep going, keep keep going harder. That, but it's it's hard to sell that sometimes to people, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, it's hard. Uh, you know, the and the and the pushback is. To, I mean, if you think about it, because uh, you know, as I said, it's it's about consequence and reward. And if the rewards out there that says, "Oh my gosh, we get so many clicks," um, if we if we do something edgy with our our communication or our advertising, um, and and it's going to drive people to us. But we've got to be careful because we we walk that fine line, don't we? And how many how many times has it backfired? 
on on organizations you know you you look at things examples like dove and the the old removing of peeling off the layers of t-shirt in the in the ad that they had i'm not sure whether you saw that one um that basically sent a message that white was better mm. uh, and it and it's and it backfires because we thought you know that might get a lot of attention but unfortunately it backfires um we see lots of different cases out there where that, you know, <laughs> there is there is momentum, not momentum. There is there is reward in in getting a little bit edgy and getting out there, but it doesn't last long. Is the is the the big effect? And I think, you know, particularly in 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 government, um, I think you know, there's people rely on, or certainly in in, in government, they rely on. Uh, uh, the fact that we we can do something and it'll be forgotten about tomorrow. So we can actually, you know, lie, deceive, uh, manipulate, and and you know tomorrow it won't really matter. So and there is no consequence to it. Um, so I think people are getting much more less, uh, I guess, pushed by by things like polls and opinions because they kind of don't see the consequence in in having it happen. But I think it also then goes to that, and this is obviously the great gift of technology, is that, you know, and again, we spend most of our time working in government and this sense of, you know, the the democratisation of the factors of media production and distribution mean that government can be the media on behalf of their their policy, their program or their regulation. And the advice we often give is, you know, just keep serving it up. Just keep explaining what it is that you're doing. Just keep showing people what it is. And over time, you will have the impact. You know, okay, your audience may not grow from sort of zero to 100,000 overnight, but perhaps that's maybe not what you need. And I think increasingly what we're seeing is that, you know, in this battle for time and attention that, We've gone from the uh, you know the broadcast world to the narrowcast world, and indeed audiences are much smaller now than they ever were. If if indeed you're trying to speak to somebody around a specific policy or program or regulation, yeah, and no, I, I, I look and I think you're right, David. It's 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 about um, it's it's about staying staying the course and and being in for long haul. So there's there there is that if you are talking about a, a narrative and you want to to take an audience on a journey and and be it that there is multiple and small audiences around what we have to get really clever at is is understanding what are those variety of channels be able to segment our audience um, um, completely particularly in today's age audience drives everything when it comes to communication and then go what is that what is that journey we're taking on them and it's not about ignoring the disruptive communications but it's it's spending a lot of time listening and understanding what's happening so that it feeds into your your journey your strategy and where you're taking the long-term communication so i think it's i think we need to do a lot more listening and we need to do uh, certainly a lot more um storytelling um if i want to put it in, in, in into those terms of our narrative over the long 
call, even though we're dealing in a world where we've got these short-term communications. What's your advice around listening? What are some of the best ways that you know or best advice that you can give as to how people should listen? And again, I, don't, I think listening is not just online activity as well. I think it's an offline activity where you're you know, attending meetings and understanding or surveying people. So there's different ways that you can get feedback. But how, what are some of the, the uh, techniques that you use to, to gain that, that deep understanding of an audience? It's, it's funny, this, this comes up as an issue quite often uh, for me when, I, when I'm coaching um, certainly managers within organisations. So, I mean, fortunately, I do get to work one-on-one with, with executives and managers and in, in a coaching environment. And the amount of times I have to say to, to managers uh, when, when they're asking, you know, how do, I, how do I solve this problem? I said, it's about time you gave your team a good old listening to. Um, and I came to, seem to look at you with, uh, you know, these very strange eyes. I go, well, no, I'm being quite serious. It might have sounded really flippant. But the reality is we spend more time talking at our teams, giving them uh, directions, sometimes orders, sometimes coaching them, sometimes, you know, but it's all one directional of this is what needs to be done, this is when it needs to be done. You can get so much more productivity out of just simply sitting down with your team and saying, talk to me, talk to me about this particular issue, um, getting people to vent when they go through change. So some of the great change uh, change consultants out there will, will tell you one of the best strategies with, with change management is to be able to sit down and allow people a venting session right at the start of change. So they get some of that unknowns and some of that frustration off their chest so they can they can actually move on. Um, what we do, though, is we cut that off. And, and dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of the leaders, what I'm finding is they, they don't want to do it because they're scared that they don't have the answers or they're scared that that, that it's just going to create this, you know, um, you know, whinge fest. Uh, and I say, no, you really need to have the, the confidence saying, well, you don't need to have the answers. You just need to be showing that you are listening and concerned and understand what it is that people are telling you. And the amount of stuff you'll pick up out of that in terms of what are some of the underlying issues and themes help you turn things around. And it actually builds your credibility that you're prepared to listen. Mm. So I often teach listening skills when uh, when I'm working with organizations to to go actually there's there's a a level of listening which is called intuitive listening and it's just being present but then how do you move from that venting to to a more productive uh discussion you know you you want to get it out you want to but how do you draw a line under it and then say okay but let's now move for how do we now go to the next bit which is we want to imagine a better future for ourselves so how do you manage that transition so i what i what i've always found is once people have got the stuff off their chest or have had an opportunity to be heard are then automatically receptive to then start exploring what potentially is is the next. So I often go, right, so if we, we're going to do a lot of listening. We'll use what we've heard in a lot of that communication around. So this is, this is what I've heard you've said. Here are some of the changes that we can make or the, here's what we can do. But then take them on that journey of then the positive input. So if it's been a... And let's let's look at it as a restructure, for instance, in the organisation that's upset a few people. We've had that 
that upset with and which is a genuine you know feeling that people have gone through um they've had that time to to grieve and disconnect by venting now it's going so we all now are on that that you know foundation or starting point i should say um where do we go to from here and then get people to be part of that that journey and then it turns into what we call you know positive conversations mm. now obviously mm. in in change it can be a little bit more more difficult depending on the impacts and so on but a rule of thumb even in, in anything i do uh, with with my team and a lot of the organizations i work with is always bring the team with you right from the start is you know what is it that that they can be contributing to because you'll find that there's natural stuff that falls out that people want to take ownership or run with uh, and i find that absolutely you know brilliant and vital for the maturity of organizations as as people are taking some ownership then then me as a leader what i need to do is is be able to give them the environment where i can support them in that very good. Okay, Adrian. Well, listen, that's a fantastic conversation, wide-ranging, um, as I thought it was going to be. Uh, no, always always good to chat. And, um, yeah, I think there's so much in that, you know, the, the changing nature of, of communication and how we get ourselves involved, how do we bring about change in organisations, how do we coach. I think that was one of the great insights there is that really that's going to be the responsibility. And I tend to agree with you that this, you know, devolution of the communication function and as the as the audience demands information and education and entertainment faster, um, you know, and again, in, in government organisations in particular, where they're looking for that information faster, you're going to have to move that capability much closer to that audience as opposed to the central comms area saying, well, you know, just leave it with us, we'll get back to you. Um, so, so that capability has to be much closer to the uh, to the audience, and therefore, the, the the skill and the capability has to be much closer to the audience. And I do think that that's going to be an emerging place where there is going to have to be a lot more skill development um, as this change, because I think it's going to be uh, unusual in a few years' time when you know, the next generation of people come through and they, you know, someone says, oh, that's the communications department over there. They'll be looking at it thinking, what do you mean? What do you mean that's the community? What, there's a department for that sort of thing? Don't we all do this? So, um, yeah, I think that's a, 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 a great insight. So thank you very much for um, sharing some of your time with me today. It's, it's my pleasure, David, it's, and, and it was lovely chatting to you. Okay, Adrian Cropley from Cropley Communications. What's the best way that people might be able to get in contact with you if they'd like to continue the conversation? Um, so either via my website, which is croppycoms.com.au, um, and uh, I've got my contact details. I've got my phone number listed. If people want to give me a call or, or get in touch, no problems at all. And I can assure you, ladies and gentlemen, that if you do ring Adrian, he will pick up the phone and he will talk to you because he is exactly as he sounds during the podcast, one of the friendliest, nicest and smartest people you will ever come across in the game of communication. So thank you very much for coming back once again this week. I really enjoyed that conversation. I know that you did too. So we'll be back at the same time next week. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.